Okay, so this week's parsha is Parsha's Truma. And in Parsha's Truma, it says the mitzvah of making the Mishkan, Vasuli Mikdash Vishachanti Besaycham. And then it speaks about all of the specific kalim that are segments of this mitzvah of building the Mikdash. The first, and I think it's fair to say the most important of all the kalim in the Mikdash, is of course the Arin. And the Torah says, "Va'asu Arain, make from me an Arain." And the Gemara in Yuma says something very fascinating about the physics of this Arain. The Gemara in Yuma and Avchafal from Menalav says, "Amar Ablevi, Davar Zeh Mesiras Biadena Me'Aveisenu." This that I'm going to tell you is a Mesira. It's a tradition handed down to us from our forefathers that Makayim Arain. The place of the Arain, the physical measurements of the Arain were not Menamida. They were not bound by laws of physics. They were not existent. What does that mean? Rashi explains there. There was basically no space for the Arain in a physical way um, in the Mikdash. Now, Rashi here is talking specifically about the Kayesh HaKadashim and the Beis HaMikdash, not in the Mishkan that we're, ta- that we're learning about the Shabbos, but it's an important element that we have to know about the Mishkan, about the Arin, that it's Enam and Amida. And he says that the reason that we know this is because we, we know that there were ten Amas in the Kayesh HaKadashim, in the Beis HaMikdash, if you would measure from one end of the Mikdash, uh, of the Aron to the wall, it was ten Amis, and from the other side of the Aron to the wall was also ten Amis. So that's equal to 20 Amis. But the entire width of the Kedesh HaKadashim in the Mikdash was 20 Amis, which means that there was no room for the actual Aron itself. Fascinating, right? If you would tape it, take a tape measure into the Kedesh HaKadashim in the Beis HaMikdash, you would be able to measure 10 Amis from each side of the Arin, but the Arin itself, there would be no room for it in a physical way, it would, because the whole empty space is 20 Amis, and the whole width of the, Beis, of the Kedesh HaKadashim is 20 Amis. So where is the place for the Arin? Einam in Amida. There was no place for it. Physically, it did not exist. There was no place, there was no makim for it. It was like lemailam and hamakim. It didn't have any, any space in a physical sense to talk about the Aaron using the laws of nature, the laws of physics that we're accustomed to. You can't, because it was completely lemailam and teva. So I just wanted to share with you a few ha'aris about this, about why this might be that by the Aaron we find this Indian of Enam and Amida, which you don't find by any of the other Klei HaMikdash. And then I want to segue it into Amir Hashem talking a little bit about Purim, because I think this is going to be the last Shmuz before Purim. I do not believe that next week we're going to have a, a Shmuz for Purim, so we're going to accomplish both this Friday. We're going to get a Shmuz in on Truma, and it's also going to be a Purim Shmuz. So let's give a few different explanations of why this is that the Makim Ha'arin is Enam and Amida. 
So first what we have to do is think about what is the RN. If you want to understand something about something, you have to get a definition of what it is. So there's a few definitions of the RN. The RN is misamal a few things, and it serves several purposes. And I think each of the purposes will be proven to be a reason why the RN itself was Enam and Amido. The first tachlis of the RN, the first purpose of the RN was it was the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mashra Hishchina. It was the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want to dwell betachtainim. I want to live amongst you on planet Earth. Where am I going to do it? Where am I going to live? Where is my habitat? Where is my residence going to be? Mi kruvim. It's going to be right in between the two kruvim, which adorn the top of the Arun. The Arun had a kapiris on, on top of it. And then on top of that kapiris was the um, was the Shnei Akruvim. And between those two Kruvim, those two angelic cherubs that one looked like a boy, one looked like a girl, between those two Kruvim, that's Rakadosh was Mashra Hishchina. Now, when we speak about Rakadosh Shechina in general, and specifically in, in this world, we have to understand something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Ein Saif. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is omnipotent. He has so, he, he really is Malay Kala Eretz Kvaide. The entire earth is filled with his glory. And this, the Kabbalistic Svarim, like the Zayar and others, say, Les Asar de Panoi Mine which is Aramaic for there's no place in the world that is empty of him. That means that every molecule on planet Earth and in all the galaxies, far and wide, is Hashem. It's, cre- it's screaming Hashem. Hashem is Kvaidim Elohim. He is, his presence is everywhere. So much so that there's really, when he was creating the world, and this is, uh, brought at the beginning of the Sefer Atanya, the Balatanya writes about this in, in the Sefer Atanya, that when he was creating the world, there was really no wor- no room for the world because he was filling the entire the entire world as Hashem. So where how is he going to make a planet Earth and a Mars and a Jupiter and a and a Milky Way? Where is he going to put that? He he fills the world. So that's where the Sfarim speak about Simtsum. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachal was mitzamsim himself. He contracted himself. He sort of like it's hard to use this word with Hakadosh Baruch, but he shrunk himself down to give room for the world. Kaviyachal. Again, we're speaking about very kabbalistic terms and ideas that I don't really claim knowledge about, but I'm just telling you the uh, the, the, the 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 simple understanding of these things. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu was mitzamsim himself. And so what that means is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his Kvayde Malayalam, and as we say in Kedusha, Misharsav Shayalam Zelazah, the Misharsam, the Malachim, his servants, ask one another, I am a Kaim Kvayde, like I don't even see him. It's, a, it's one of those ironies or paradox about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he's everywhere and he's nowhere. He's everywhere in the world, but yet you don't find him. You don't see him with your eyes. And he's not visible. He made himself invisible, but yet he's everywhere. There's uh, some of the great 
Jewish poets in the in Spain wrote poetry about this. Like, where can I find you? And where can I not find you? It's a paradox. Like, he's everywhere and he's nowhere. But the point is that the Kruvim was the place that he chose to be Masher Shechina. What does that mean he chose to be Masher Shechina? Whatever he was mitzamtim himself, he was mitzamtim himself into that small area, Mibain Shnei Kruvim. And so just like the Shechina, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shechina is mitzumtzum, it's, it's contracted, it's, it's made to be enam in amidah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's real midah, if you'd have a tape measure, it would, it would be the entire, the entire galaxies would be a, a trillion miles in every direction and more. But yet he shrinks himself enam in amidah, he makes himself as if like he's invisible. And so since the Aaron was really the, the residence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Enam in Amidah in, this, in, this, in the terms that we're speaking about today, the Aaron itself, by definition, also is Enam in Amidah. It didn't, it didn't take up space itself because it was a reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being Masher Hishchina on top of the Aaron. So in order to reflect that reality, that's why the Makim HaAaron itself was Enam and Amida because the place of Akadish Baruch was Enam and Amida. It, it might be possible to say as well that the two angels, which were the Kruvim, above the Aaron themselves were like as if carrying on a dialogue at all times. Where is Akadish Baruch? Akadish Baruch was there, but he is so contracted that it's hard to see him even for the two Kruvim that are flanking. The Shechina. And so that's really, I think, what the Makma Aaron uh, represents, and that's why it's Enam and Amida. Another pshat is that the Aaron represents, of course, the Taira. There are Medrashim that say this, and every Sefer, you're not going to find a single Sefer in the world that doesn't speak about the comparison between the Aaron and the Taira on every level. Every single uh, Chazal say that there was a a zer and Rashi bring, there was a, a crown around the Aaron representing Kesar Taira. Um, the Aaron had the Luchais, it had the Sefer Taira in there that Maish Rabbeinu wrote. It was basically, a, it was, it was a, the Kli that represents Taira. Everything about the Aaron represents Taira. That's why there was only half measures. There was a Masai Machetzi Archai, etc. It was half measures to teach you lessons about Taira. So the Aaron was Taira. And I think that understanding that would give us another understanding into why the Makkah Ma'aren was Enam and Amida. Because Taira itself is Enam and Amida. If the Aaron, which is Misamal Taira, is Enam and Amida, that, that represents the fact that Taira is Enam and Amida. What does that mean, Taira is Enam and Amida? That it has no, it, it doesn't really, the laws of physics do not apply to it. What does that mean? What I think it means is as follows that it's different than all the other Chachmas Ha'elam. All the other Chachmas Ha'elam, all the other sciences and mathematics and uh, physics, all of those laws, basically in order to understand them and to master them, one needs to be smart or you need to be creative. You need to have some Kishrin. You need to have some, a very high IQ, let's say, to be a rocket scientist 
be a brain surgeon, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer. You need to be smart. If you're not so smart, you're not going to pass the LSATs. You're not going to do well in the LSATs. You're not going to pass the bar. You're not going to get through the MCATs and, you know, and all the other things that you need to do to get to it. So because you, you have to be smart. If I'm not good with math, I could want to be a mathematician my entire life. I could want to be an actuary or a big accountant. But if I'm not, I'm not good with numbers, then it's very hard for me to like, turn myself around and become an accountant, become an actuary. I, I'm not good with numbers. If I'm not creative, if I'm not artistic, I'm not going to be an artist. It's just not going to happen. I want to be an artist, but if I don't have the ability to draw, I'm not, if I can't play a musical instrument because I'm tone deaf, I'm not going to be a musician. That's the regular laws of nature as they apply to the other Chachma Asylum. When it comes to Tyra, Tyra is completely different because Tyra, you don't need to have a good head to be a Tamar Chacham. The Svarim HaKadoshim, all the Svarim say that all you need in order to be a Tamar Chacham is you need to have a Yagiya in learning, you have to really schwitz, and you have to have a love for learning, and you have to have a persistence in learning, have a smada, and people that are really not smart even can suddenly turn into very big Tamidich Chachamim. They say a story, it's brought in the Archas Yesher, that, and the Stifle used to speak about this, that the Chassam Sefer had a Talmud, and the Talmud, he didn't even want to accept him into his yeshiva because he mamish could not learn. He had no kishrinus in learning. He had no ability, he had no lambdas, he had no bikiyas, no bi'iyah, nothing. And he came but as almost like a, you know, as a favor, he felt bad, so the Chassam Sefer took him into the yeshiva, and he, he this this kid started learning and being a masmid, and he went from, like, from a very thick skull brain, he had no brain, and he was able to become such a Talmud Chacham that we have many of the chubas of the Chassam Sefer. He's basically corresponding with this Talmud after this Talmud graduated from the Chassam Sefer's yeshiva in Freshburg. And he was, you know, he was like holding and learning with the Chassam Sefer. He was, they were talking and learning, discussing back and forth about very deep iunim in, in halacha, and the Chassam Sefer would show this to his Talmudim and say, this could happen to you as well. You don't need to have any Kishrin. It's Einam and Amida. The natural rules of nature do not apply to Tyra. Tyra is different. Tyra is given to every Yid. Every Yid has a Chelek in Tyra. And whether you think you're capable or you're not capable, you are capable. And that's, I think, a semel of... What, the, what this means, that the Makam Aaron is Einam and Amidah. And by the way, it's true the other way as well. With other things, if I'm like a brilliant guy, I could get into medical school and law school and whatever and, and basically just coast my way through it and, and, and do well. When it comes to Tyra, if you're brilliant, but you're not trying and you're not hazarding, then it's really, it's not going to stay by you. It's going to vanish from the, the... There's a Pasuk that says... Um, that in Mishlei Chav Gimel, Hisif Einecha Bay Veinenu, that you like blink your eyes away from Tyra, and it's not going to be there anymore. He also Yaslei Knafayim because it's as if there will be wings to the Tyra, and you're not going to be able to maintain the Tyra. And the Gemara in Megillah Chesma Base says it's going on Tyra, and Rashi says that if you merely like look aside from it a little bit, it will be forgotten from you in the blink of an eye. Now, that's not normal either. That's also Einam and Amidah. But Tyra doesn't operate with normal laws. 
Tyra and the acquisition of Tyra, the mastery of Tyra, is different than any other of the Chachma Sa'ilam. And that's another thing that we learn from the Aaron. Another thing that we learn from the Aaron is, of course, that the Bade Ha'aron, those beams, those, uh, the poles that are on the sides of the Aaron that you're never allowed to remove, represent the people that support Tyra, the Balabatim, the Zvolans of the world, that support the Tyra, that the Tyra is being schlepped by, the Aaron, you're ca- they're carrying, as it were, the, the Aaron, or, the, or they're carrying the, uh, the Tyra itself. That's also Enam and Amida. That's part of the Aaron that also did not take up space in the, in the, in the Kaidish HaKadoshim because they also are operating on a different level. If a Balabayas supports Tyra, not only will he get schar for the Tyra that he supported in this world, he will get schar for the Tyra that he supported in the next world. But not only does he get schar, like he gets brownie points for it, but amazingly, and this is brought also in a lot of Svarim, that he actually becomes in the Eilam Ha'emes Atamur Chacham. It's not like he's going to be sitting there and like being, you know, getting a skybox and watching the, the people making siyumim on shas. He's going to himself be making a siyum on shas. He himself is going to be able to talk and learning with the biggest amidechachamim and know all the kivegers and know the rashbas and know how to talk and learning. That's enam and amida. That doesn't make sense. He didn't do that in this world. He didn't have the brain for it. He didn't have the interest and he didn't have the, he didn't have the ability for that. But the Badia Aaron is a chilek of the Aaron, is Enam and Amida. They also are Lamaila Minateva. There is a, uh, a story that's told about Rabchaim Elajner. Rabchaim Elajner had a, a wealthy person who, who told him before he died that, you know, I'll give you money, but I want you to learn Mishnayis Lazech and Ishmasi. And Rabchaim Elajner accepted upon himself to learn Shas Mishnayis over the year of his, of after he dies. And like a few days later, he was, Reb Chaim already had started right away to learn for him. Um, and he was learning a Mishnah in Tyrus. And it was a very difficult Mishnah in Tyrus. And Reb Chaim was mamish, like, like spending a lot of time. And he was exhausting himself in trying to understand what the Mishnah in Tyrus was talking about. And he fell asleep. He fell asleep over his Mishnayas. And in his sleep, this Balabayas came to him and said to him that, um, I'll tell you the Pshat, and he said a very deep analytical Pshat in the Mishnah and Tyrus. This Balabayas that was support, that was supporting him, learning, teaching, to, to learn Mishnayas, he himself gave a, a Pshat, the Rebchaim of all people, the Talmud Mubak of, of the Gra, couldn't be Ayman on himself. And Rebchaim, when he woke up, was Nispal, he couldn't believe it. He said, I didn't know that not only do they, the Balabatim that support me get schar in learning, they also become Tamidacham themselves, and that it happens so fast. You know, maybe, you know, in a hundred years, a hundred thousand years, maybe they'll build up to be a Tamidacham, but like the day that they're a Nifter, they immediately know how to be a Tamidacham, how to talk in learning. It's a tremendous thing. It's a tremendous thing. And so that is, uh, that's also the, what it symbolizes, that Makam Ma'arin is Enam and Amidah. Another thing that I wanted to share with you this morning to explain how Makama Aaron is Enam and Amida is something that is, um, is, I think, very, very beautiful and very nagay to us. And we're going to, again, segue into Purim from here. 
another, what, what the Aaron symbolizes, besides for the Makam of the Shekhinah, besides for Taira, besides for the support of Taira, it also represents the Ava, the love that exists between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael. That is symbolized by the Aaron and by specifically the Kruvim, that one was a Zachar and one was a Nekeva. The Gemara says in Meseches Yuma, Nundalat Amenalef, that when Klai Yisrael made Aliyah L'Regel, when they came up to the Beis HaMikdash three times a year, on Yom Taibim, they would roll back for them the Pereches. They would get like a guided tour of the Beis HaMikdash. They would roll back for them the Pereches. And they would show them the Krum. It's an amazing thing to be able to like get a peek into the Kedosh HaKadoshim. That's what everybody that came to be a regal was able to do. And the tour guide who was showing them the Kedosh HaKadoshim said, Look at how beloved you are before Hashem. Just like the love that exists between a man and a woman, this is how beloved you are to HaKadosh that's why the Kruvim one was a Zachar and one was a Nekeva, to symbolize the great love that exists between Klai Yisrael and the Rabbi Nisham. Now, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, very important Gemara to learn. On Zion and it says, Hahu ozel. A person would, one, would used to say, Kirachimtin apusya de Safsira. Shrivan. When we first got married, he was talking about his marriage. He said, when my wife and I first got married, we were madly in love with each other. Our love was so great that we were able to sleep on the edge of a sword. The edge of a sword, whatever that means, but take it at, at face value. On the edge of a sword, we were able to sleep. What Meaning, it didn't, it was Enam and Amida. The love was Enam and Amida. It's like, I didn't, we didn't need a fancy mansion to live in, we didn't fancy cars, we're able to just live simple, live together, Every, the love was so pure and so deep that, that it was, it was, it was, we were able to sleep on the edge of a sword together, and, and it didn't bother us, and he continues that, but as our marriage progressed, and, and the love sort of dissipated, a bed that's 60 garmidim, a tremendous, huge bed, maybe, a, I don't know, maybe a couple of miles big. How much is a garmid? It's a very big measurement. You could have a, the biggest bed in the world, Guinness Book of World Records bed. It's still not enough room for us. It's, it's, still, not, it's still not big enough to contain us. And I think, and then it's interesting that the Gemara there continues, that you learn it, from the Beis HaMikdash. You learn this whole thing from the Beis HaMikdash because the, it says, Amr of Huna Kreiksi, this is really a Pasuk. I will meet with you there. I'm going to be there above the, the Kapiris, like we said before, between the Shnei Akruvim. So, and then eventually when it came to the Beis HaMikdash, you needed a much bigger Vesa Mikdash to contain the Shrina. Shishim Ama Arkai, the Esrim Rachva, Yishlesh Ramakai Masai, 
And in the end, in Yeshaya, it says, Kayamar Hashem HaShemayim Kisi, Baratz Hadem you can't build me a house that's big enough to contain me. In other words, that the Ava that exists between HaKadosh Baruch and Klai Yisrael is symbolized by the, by the Aaron, by the Kruvim, and just like the Kruvim, the love that exists between the Isha and the Isha, when the love is at its heightened point, you're able to sleep on the edge of a sword, which means it's Enam and Amida. The love transcends time and space. It's so great that you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It doesn't make sense, but you could, you, you know, you could live even in the smallest place. HaKadosh Baruch is showing by being Masher Shechina between the Shnei Akruvim, he's showing that the love that exists between us is one that's L'mayla Minateva, it's Enam and Amida. You know, the Aaron could be invisible because our love is also able to be so tight between us that you don't even need any physical measurements in order to house the, the love that exists between us. One of the most famous svarim on tefillah, written by a Kadman, is the Sefer Avodrama. I, I think that it's still the finest Sefer ever written on tefillah. It's very hard to find, you know, good svarim on tefillah. This is written by a Kadman, and it's unbelievable. He writes, like, came out on all the tefillahs, if not all the tefillahs. So he writes in the Birchah Sarai'ah, he has a section in the back called the brachas that you make on Nisim, and when you see certain things... And he brings from Rav Asher Milunil that the reason why we make a bracha um, is on a nace is only a type of nace which is yaitzei meminaga elam, a nace which is l'maylam It's like an, a supernatural miracle. For example, like when you see a place that the sea splits, whether it's the Yamsuf, whether it's the Yardin that split. Or like a case of the Gemara brings, Mabre de Ravana, that a nace happened to him, and um, whatever, some supernatural events that happened. That's when you make a brach on a nace. But he says, If it's a miracle, but it's really like a regular, natural type of miracle. Let's say, you know, you had a break-in in the house, and... Uh, and you were saved from it. Then Ganavim didn't get to your bedroom, and they, they all right, but that's more tevadik. There's nothing supernatural, nothing broke, you know, any rules of nature with that. So it's a great, you know, it's it's a great hataba, but it's not a nace that you'd go to shul and and, and make a bracha shasli nace makamazel or bench gaimel for. It's it's a regular tevadik nace. So you don't have to make a bracha of shasli nace makamazel. So then the Avodram asks as follows: Vim taimar. Very Purim, what about Purim? It was a nace like the Minagailam was a regular natural nace. We know about Purim that it's a it was all Bader Khateva. There was no overt Nisim. It wasn't like uh like Hanukkah that you had the Nesa Muhammad and you had the Nase of the Pachashaman. Purim there was nothing extraordinary in terms of the in terms of the natural cycle of events. Of course, the entire miracle from begin, you know, the fact that we were saved in such in such a uh, you know a way was was incredible. But it was there was no actual nisim that were lemaila minateva. You weren't going to see any 
open, overt miracles, like no Kriyas Yamsov and no... Uh, so because of that, it looked like a political, you know, intrigue, palace intrigue, what was taking place in Asvachashverish, and Avashti died, Esther was appointed, but it seemed pretty natural over the course of those many years that the poor miracle happened, nobody really said, wow, there's a Yad Hashem taking place. It was all Behester Panim Kiyodua. So the Avodrama asks, why do we say, Sha'asa Nisim Laveseinu on Purim? Why do we make a bracha on the Nase of Purim? After all, the Nase of Purim, if Rabbi Milunil is right, that then, that you only make a bracha on a Nase, that's Lamailam and Ateba, that's that's different than the rules of physics. So what rules of physics were broken on Purim that we should make a Shasa Nisim? Listen to what he answers. Even by Purim, there was something that went away from the Minigailam. Something was strange that was happening in a supernatural way on Purim. Why? Because of two things. It never happened in history that the king would actually retract a gezerah. When you make a gezerah, you keep the gezerah. You don't like, it's embarrassing for a king to have to, to have to undo something that he said he would do. That was a tremendous miracle. That was almost the Milo Manateva. That's one thing. But the second thing, which is what I want to focus on, he killed close to 80,000 of his own citizens, Achashverosh did. He killed close to 80,000 citizens. Why? Because of the love of a single woman, Achashverosh killed 80,000, or he permitted 80,000 of his own citizens to be killed. This is completely above and beyond the laws of nature. This is not normal. That uh, the love that he had for Esther was so great that he would permit 80,000 of his own citizens, regardless of the political expedience of, of, of allowing that. Imagine how, you know, how the citizens of the country felt that, what, for Esther, for a Jewish girl, you're willing to allow her to, you were, you're willing to allow 80,000 of your own people to get killed? You can imagine that wasn't too popular politically. Why did he do it? Me'avas isha'acha, says the Abodram, because he loved one woman. That's the takeaway of Purim. Purim is not a time that's, you don't see nisim geluyim, but there's a tremendous ava that exists between, between a man and a woman, and that itself is the greatest miracle. And I think that that is really the takeaway of Purim, not as far as what Achashverosh felt for Esther, but for the love that exists between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael. When we're making a Sha'asa Nisim on Purim, it's the nace of the greatest miracle of them all, and that's the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us with such intensity, and we love him back. There's a Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva in Parak Yud, Halacha Gimel, what type of love is it that we're supposed to have for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Hu sheyehav es Hashem ava g'dayla yisera. Azam You're supposed to love Hashem with a great love, very strong love. Ashutei nafshe keshura b'av es Hashem. 
So much so that your nefesh, your soul, will be bound in the love of Hashem. The nimtza shayge batamid, and you are always obsessing over him. Ki'ilu chayla chaliyav, as if you're lovesick. She'ein da'ite p'nei me'avasayish. When a person is in love with a woman, he's consumed by it. And he's thinking about it constantly, says the Ramam, whether he's sitting, whether he's uh, lying down, whether he's standing up, whether he's eating, drinking, he's, he's obsessed with this woman. That's a little bit of an idea of how much you should have love for HaKadosh Baruch. As much as you see a love between Isha and Isha, more so should be the love that exists between Hashem and you. Shaygim Batamid, that you are obsessed and, and consumed by it constantly. And this is what Shlomo writes in I am lovesick for you, Hashem. The entire Shir Hashirim is just a mashal for this. If you read Shir Hashirim, Shir Hashirim is a roller coaster ride. There are times that things are amazing between Akadish Baruch and Klai Yisrael. There are times that it's not so good. There are times of 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 Harsinai, Matan Taira, then we go into a time of Cheta Egal, then we go into a time of the Midbar, then we go into Eretz Yisrael, then we have uh, Bayes Rishon, and then we have Galas from Bayes Rishon, Bayes Sheni, Galas Bayes Sheni, Purim, Shirshim basically gives you a, um, a sweeping um, a sweeping view of Jewish history. But the undercurrent of this entire the entire spectrum of history is that there's a love that exists between HaKadosh Baruch and Yisrael. That, that I love Hashem, He loves me. There's a love, a, a love sickness that exists between HaKadosh Baruch and Kla Yisrael. There's a Ramban in Devarim Zayin Bab, a beautiful Ramban. It's Gedaida. Look it, look it up and see it for yourself. But the Psukim there speak about how HaKadosh Baruch says, I don't love you because you're the biggest nation in the world, because you're the smallest nation in the world. I don't love you because you're China or India, they have, you know, a billion people in your, under your rule. You don't have a billion people, you have a few, you know, maybe a couple of Shishim Ribai, uh, a million, two million, whatever it was, three million. But it's not that, that's not the reason why I love you. The reason why I love you is because um because I love you and I desire you, says Hashem. So the Ramban says an amazing thing. He says that He really doesn't say why he chose us. He just says that he chose us because he loves us, but he didn't give us a reason why he loves us. So the Ramban says, but he does, because by choosing somebody to love, what love means is that you are able to tolerate the love with whatever it brings. And Kla Yisrael has proven that time and time again, because we have been killed for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we have suffered for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. we were able to tolerate the love. 
no other nation in the world could put up with the love that was expected of them to put up with. Klai Yisrael has been killed and pogromed and holocausted and, and, uh, and Cossacked and, uh, throughout history, Spanish Inquisitions and expulsions and murders and burning at the stakes. And Why? Because we love Hashem. Purim is a day that shows all this. In fact, the reason why we re-accepted the Torah on Purim, Kimu Bekiblu, Kimu Masha Kiblu Kvar, we re-accepted the Torah. The first time we got the Torah was Mitaich Kfia. We were forced into it. And that gave us a very big opening to not keep the mitzvahs. Kedush Baruch Hu put a mountain over our head, before, you know, like a gun to our head to accept the Torah. So, okay, so if I don't accept it, I could always ex- claim that I, I didn't want to accept it. So don't blame me the fact that I'm not keeping it. But we re-accept the Torah on Purim because it says in the Megillah, Kimo v'kiblu. So Rashi says, what does that mean? Why did we re-accept the Torah on Purim? Me'avas hanes. Because we love the miracle. What does it mean we love the miracle? What do you love about a miracle? It means that we love the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us the greatest miracle of all, that He saved us, because of his love for us. He saved us because he loved us. Why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu ever come to our rescue to save us? Obviously, he loves us. That's the greatest miracle of all. That's the miracle because of the love that Achashverosh had with Esther. We say al What that means is that we learn, whenever it says in the Megillah, of Achashverosh teaches us how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves his Isha, which is us. That love is Eina Min Amida. That love, it transcends time, it transcends space. It makes no sense. But here we are in 2021. We're still learning, we're still davening, we're still keeping the mitzvahs, we're still anticipating Purim because of this great cosmic love that has always existed between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Aaron is Eina Min Amida because... It symbolizes the love that exists between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and us. And that love is Enam and Amida. That love transcends everything. The Pesukim and Shir Hashim at the end says, Ki Aza Ava. That the love is as, as stubborn as death. Nothing could put, The greatest of waters cannot extinguish the fire that exists between us and Hashem. So many philosophers have wondered how it is that the Jewish people have been eternal and, and live forever. And they don't understand this. This is the one thing they don't understand, that the reason why we're an eternal people is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a love for us. He doesn't want us to leave. When you love somebody, you don't want them to go. If you don't care for somebody, you don't, you don't mind if they leave. HaKadosh Baruch Hu couldn't live Kaviyachu without Klal Yisrael. The love is Enam and Amida, and we're not perfect. A lot of times we are, we, and that's what got us into Purim in the first place, Gulls of the Bayes Risha and Gulls from the Bayes Sheni. We're not a perfect people. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we love Him and that we sacrifice for Him so much, and in turn, He loves us. We reflect Him, and He reflects us. It's reciprocated, the relationship, the love, it's Enam and Amida, it makes no sense. But it does. For the world, it makes no sense how we're, we're still around. But for 
people that are involved in the relationship for, for us and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the love makes a lot of sense. And it's the greatest miracle of all, and that's the miracle that we say al for on Purim. It's a hard thing to learn how to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a real way. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you can't see, you can't hug. But the more that we feel the Abba, the more he will make us feel the Abba. The more we're able to stir up the Abba for him inside of us, the more he will make himself be felt by us. Rabbi Victor Miller used to go into a phone booth and pick up a random phone receiver and just say into the phone, I love you, Hashem, I love you, Hashem, I love you, Hashem. Sometimes he would start a sheer, Hashem, I love you, I love you, I love you. The more that you speak about it, the more that you actualize it, you talk about it, you dance about it, you feel about it, you sing about it, the more you are able to experience that Ava. And then the more that you express that Ava and the more you generate within you that Ava, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu will open up his arms and embrace you and then you'll feel the Ava that much more. But yeah, you can never forget the Ava. The Ava is Enam and Amida. The Ava in good times is Enam and Amida, and especially in bad times when things are not going so well and you really wonder, you know, why Hashem is doing this and you reach out to Him and you say, I love you, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I love you, you will feel the Yeshua immediately. That's how it works. It's Enam and Amida. There doesn't, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is beyond time and space and his love is beyond time and space, and his kaychas are beyond time and space. Yeah, so that's the, uh, these are the takeaways of the Makamari and Enam and Amida. It's a takeaway for Purim, and Mitz Hashem, we should grow and steig in our, in our learning, in our taira, and the ability to fathom HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatness and wonder about his tzimtzum, but most importantly, we have to feel the love and understand that we can get through anything in life both as a people and as an individual, by fostering this love, by realizing this love, and by expressing this love. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Rabbi Yisai.